0: you're listening to we, we, we the Aether podcast within and without welcome
1: so mark thanks for taking the time to come on today i know you're a busy busy guy lots of businesses lots of things going on but um just to kick things off do you mind introducing yourself what it is you're involved in what it is you do on a day-to-day basis
0: yeah i'm mark smelly bell on Instagram and. Uh, I've been uh, in the fitness industry for a long time. I started lifting at 12. I'm now 42 years old. And um, I started out at a young age with powerlifting. And I was very fortunate that I ended up finding, um, I guess you'd say, like uh, what was already inside me at a very young age. It, you know, I think each person's born with a, a unique opportunity to share themselves in some different ways in this world. And for me, um, it was strength. And even though I got involved in strength at a young age, I really didn't understand its importance. And I didn't really realize it was going to become a massive part of my life. Um, At that young age of 12, I was already quite a bit stronger than my friends um, without really much uh, lifting experience. And then once I got to be like 14 or so, you know, I started lifting some pretty good weights. My friends would come over, we'd lift in the garage and, you know, I I had, I don't know, 185 on or something. And I was able to move that around a little bit and I think maybe at the age of like 15 or so I did like a 240 pound you know bench press and before I graduated high school I benched over 400 pounds you know things like that where I was just you know really uh, a lot stronger than my friends even after they started to exercise um, as well so there was something about me something about my genetics and kind of where I came from where I had a little bit more strength than somebody else and I kind of compare it to you know, if you take um, you know a group of kindergarten kids and have them uh, draw a picture of a tree and color it, uh, there's probably be like one or two kids where you're like, "Oh my god, that's like a legit tree." Everyone else is going to be, you know, kind of have some scribble on there. So I just had this kind of uh, this talent uh, inside of me that that just needed to be um, worked on. And over a period of time, I worked on it, worked on it, worked on it so much that ended up becoming an elite powerlifter. Um, I was uh, a, an elite powerlifter in many different uh, weight classes, all the way from 198 pounds all the way up to uh, super heavyweight. Um, I have bench pressed 854 pounds in a bench shirt, 578 pounds raw, 1,080 squat, and a 766 pound deadlift. I don't really uh, view those numbers as like staggering, but what what it is, um, what people can get an idea of, is just that that's a body of work like that just takes that takes time and even though you know I did have some strength in me as a kid and I was a little stronger than my friends growing up um, that was something I had to really really work on and really focus on I ended up uh, falling with a thousand eighty-five squat in my pursuit to squat 1100 you know uh, it's never enough right you always want to strive for more and more and more so once I benched 850, now the goal was to bench 900. And once I deadlifted over 750, the goal was to pull 800. But luckily for me, uh, I took a pretty good uh, fall with 1,085 in a squat. And it it, cha- it It was a good pivot point for me. It, it changed my life. It changed my perspective. And um, it was something that I was like, you know what? I better get a rain. I better rein all this in and actually... Start to pay more attention to my actual like health and and fitness and not just, you know, being strong and fat because I was 330 pounds and so I changed everything around. I went uh, back to a diet that I used when I was younger to lose some weight originally and that was a ketogenic style diet. I started a war on carbs as I like to call it and, uh, you know, went from that body weight to kind of like where I am now which is more like in a 230 pound range. Um, somewhere in that giant mix of, uh, stuff in this story is, uh, you know, another strong pivot point for me was, uh, getting married to my wife, Andy. We, uh, own slingshot together and we own our newer company, uh, mind bullet together. Um, her and I are partners on everything in every single way. You know, we, we parent our children, we parent our, our, co- the company that we have and, um, you know, we're, we're, a, uh, we're together, united on, on all fronts, and um, that, that makes me feel really good because I, I always have somebody that I can lean on, somebody I can rely on, and so um, I'm the face of the company. A lot of people know my name and know who I am because I got a lot of followers, and I've had a YouTube channel since 2007, so a lot of people have been following along with all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, my wife is really a, a really powerful driving force uh, behind everything that we've been able to accomplish. And where I'm talking to you from today is a 23,000 square foot facility uh, where we um, do shipping and, and, and receiving and shipping of our products. We have them here, um, the Slingshot and uh, many other products that we sell, knee sleeves, elbow sleeves, wrist wraps. Uh, all that stuff is shipped from this building, and then in addition to that, we have an 8,000-square-foot gym that's free, and the gym is free because of what Slingshot and what powerlifting and strength training uh, has provided for me. So it's a way for me to uh, give back to people, and it's, um, it's a way for me to fulfill what I feel is my life mission, and that's uh, to make the world a better place to lift.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I, I love that slogan, by the way. So did you, or when did you start wrestling in the mix of all that? Was it, it was before the the fall, right? Before your your squat fall?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. Otherwise, you know, after that fall, I wasn't able to move so good for a while. Yeah, Yeah, so I I got involved in some professional wrestling. Um, You know, another big pivot point in my life was the death of my oldest brother, Mike Bell. For those of you that have seen Bigger, Stronger, Faster, you may remember him from that film. Uh my oldest brother was obsessed with pro wrestling. He was a huge fan of it. And then me and my brother Chris were fans of it as well. And um, you know, as kids we used to just beat the shit out of each other, you know, in our in our basement. We would, you know, try the moves that we saw on WWF, you know, we'd try, you know, macho man Randy Savage, you know, elbow and we'd jump off the couch or jump off, you know, the stairs and like drop elbows on each other. We'd try, you know, Hulk Hogan's leg drop or uh Uh, Jake, the snake Roberts DDT. And so we were always into wrestling. You know, we always really loved it as kids. And probably I think I was about 20 years old. I was at gold's gym in Venice wearing a stone cold Steve Austin shirt. And a guy came over to me and asked me if I liked wrestling. And I was like, wow, that's weird. (laughs) I was like, my brother told me LA was different, but I don't know what this is going to lead to. You know, anyway, the guy was a legitimate uh, wrestling coach and uh, I visited him and his school in uh, malibu california and um i just started to kind of learn you know the ropes so to speak of pro wrestling and then from that point i ended up um ended up doing some independent wrestling shows and uh wrestled for a company called upw ultimate pro wrestling while i was in ultimate pro wrestling while i was you know training uh to try to you know get that next level um i worked at a company moving fitness equipment which is like the worst job on the planet earth you know uh these things these machines are not made to be moved um i remember at one point moving a uh a calf machine (laughs) up a flight of stairs it was like a 1200 pound calf machine or something it was just absolutely ridiculous but one of the people that we were moving it with fortunately was uh john cena and john cena worked at uh this uh this company with me called mass movement where we moved fitness equipment. My brother, uh, Chris, also worked there. And, uh, you know, through, like, knowing John and through um, both of my brothers, you know, uh, we were able to pull John Cena into pro wrestling in the first place. So um, my oldest brother, Mike, he really wanted to make his, like, print on this world, and he really wanted to make a difference in pro wrestling. He never actually had the opportunity, but he was John Cena's first coach, and he was a pivotal he was pivotal in getting John Cena into wrestling. And so uh, if my brother left a mark on this world, it's like at least he, uh, you know, made a, made a little stamp there with uh, John Cena's uh, production in, uh, or productivity, rather, in, in WWE. But, yeah, I, I always loved pro wrestling. And then from there, you know, I wrestled in UPW for years. I got a chance to wrestle in Japan. I wrestled for a company called Zero One. Uh, that was a really amazing experience. And that was a lot of fun. A lot of the guys and girls that are on TV today are still people I'm in contact with. We just had pro wrestling just came through Sacramento and we got to go to uh, Hell in a Cell. And we okay. got to see uh, some of the matches that, that went down there. And um, a lot of the wrestlers actually came into the gym because these men and women, they train, they train their asses off. They got to stay in shape so they don't get as many injuries. They're still going to get hurt here and there because it's a violent sport. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed my time in wrestling. Um, and I ultimately ended up going from UPW into uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling uh, in Louisville, Kentucky and wrestled there for about a year. Um, but it just wasn't for me. I just wasn't, you know, to be f- totally honest. And, and it's easier to say this now when you look back, but it just wasn't good enough. You know, I, I could talk on the microphone pretty good. I could wrestle pretty good, but it just wasn't like my calling. And uh, that's a tough thing as a young man, that's a tough pill to swallow. But again, fortunately, fortunately for me, I'm very family oriented. And so there's really not a lot of things from the outside that can hurt me because I have such a strong bond with my family. At that point, um, we just had our son, Jake, my wife and I, and, uh, you know, my wife's like, well, you know, you said you're going to give it five years. Here we are five years later. And, you know, it doesn't really look like you're heading in a direction. And I was like, no, you're right. I, I agree. Like i I feel good about what I did, but I don't really even understand what I would do better. Like, I don't feel like I'm improving really. So I think it's time to, you know, move on and and try something different. I also thought about, I also had the fear. And I think this is a huge fear. A lot of people have, I didn't necessarily have the feel of failure because I was not scared to try stuff out at all. I had the fear of like, what if this worked? Hmm. (laughs) Because if that worked, then I would have traveled with WWE and it would have ripped our family apart. And, and it doesn't always rip families apart. But, you know, a lot of times it can because of how much travel and um, just how much away from your family you are. And so when I thought about that more, you know, being that much closer, being that, you know, that big step closer to actually doing something with WWE. I looked at that and I looked at the people that were in wrestling. And uh, I was like, I, I'm just a little different than them. And uh, they have um, they, they have a different kind of setup than I do. A lot of these men and women were single and stuff. And I was like, I I don't think that makes any sense for me anymore. So it was time to shift gears and get a new goal. And I moved from, uh, Ohio Valley wrestling, uh, back to, uh, California.
1: Was that like an overnight process in terms of shifting gears, finding that new goal or did it take some time to really bring that goal into fruition?
0: It, It took a long time. It really did. Um, I went through a lot of I went through a lot of rough patches, like just with myself, of trying to figure out stuff to do. Um, and it wasn't like it, it wasn't like it was brutal all the time. It wasn't like I was crying my eyes out every day or anything like that. But I was trying to I was trying to figure out like how am I going to be substantial? And so the only way I could give back to this world at that point in my life was just to take care of my family as much as I possibly could. Um, I couldn't figure out how to take care of my family, uh, in terms of finances at that point, I just, I didn't feel like, you know, I got beat up, you know, going through school, not physically beat up, but like mentally beat up just cause, uh, I was in special classes and things like that. And I, I didn't do very well in school. And so I accepted that. I, I kind of gave up and put my hands up and said, you know what, maybe everybody's right. Maybe I am dumb. Maybe I'm not good enough to do some of these things. So I shied away from a lot of stuff. And it was even crippling as an adult, like all the way to the point where, you know, I would think like, oh, maybe I'll try to get a job here. You know, maybe I'll try to get a job like at a coffee shop. And I'm like, I wouldn't know how to work the register. Like, I don't I was like nervous about like just even that, you know, and looking back at it now, it's like, wow, that was really crippling. And that was crazy that I thought about myself that way. Now, I understand I understand I have some limitations in certain things it might take me a little longer to learn something, but I feel like I can learn just about anything, you know, within reason. So as, if I give it a try and I, I pay attention and I I give it an honest shot, I feel like I can do just about anything. But at that time, I didn't feel that way. So basically what I did at that point is uh, I was a stay-at-home dad. You know, I, I took my son around everywhere with me, changed his diapers, fed him, and did did as many things with him as I could to take some of that burden away from my wife who was the breadwinner at that time. She was the one making the money. And uh fortunately for us, uh she had a job um, where she could be she could be at home pretty often as well, and so we were able to, you know, raise our son and eventually have our daughter uh later on. But yeah, it was a weird time for me because I was like, you know, other than like I was a bouncer, you know, so I'm like I I just uh, didn't think I was qualified enough to really do much else. I didn't have a college education or anything like that. So uh, again, looking back at it now, it seems almost silly to have thought of myself that way. But this is something that I'm passionate about sharing with people. And I'm excited to share with people is you can build up, you can grow. Um, And I know that we all love and admire The Rock. But if you look at his career and you look, you know, seven bucks production was because he had $7 in his pocket. And you go back and you look at some of these people that we really hold to a high standard, Gary Vee or these people, they weren't always these, uh, they weren't always functioning on another level. Like maybe the rock was always a little head because of uh, he's got good genetics. He's six, five and he's strong. And so he played for the university of Miami and, and yeah, like he, he had some things he could tap into. But again, if we go back to the beginning of this podcast, I think we all have resources we can tap into. It's our job to find out what are these unique abilities. I actually think that you have more than one. I think you might have about four or five. And it's our job to find out how do we find out what these unique abilities are. And if you're lucky enough to be like myself, I had great parents. And my parents wanted to help me find that thing. And if you're a parent and you're listening to this, that is your job. You need to find that thing for your kid. What is it going to be? It's going to be they love to write books, they love to read books, they love poetry, they love playing the piano, they love dance, they love whatever, whatever it is that they love, I think it's in your best interest, even if you're like kind of not sure about it, it's in your best interest to try to really encourage that, say, oh my God, that is amazing that you're into that, that is so cool, I'd love to see you do more of that or imagine what that would look like if you... I know that you love baseball, so that's really great. Imagine if you practice baseball a little bit more, how much you know, you're know? you already hitting the ball really well and really get behind them on that because that's the kind of stuff that will change your perspective on the way that you feel about yourself. And, and for me, I had lifting. And again, I had a, a good family and that was something that eventually over a long period of time changed my perspective and it allowed me to start to really believe uh, in myself and really lean into that and start to be creative and start to think of uh, different ways of making money.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was actually mentioning to, I spoke with inSEma about a week or so ago. Uh, we did an episode and I was talking to him about is the natural. Valley. Sorry?
0: Is that guy natural?
1: <sighs> I can't decide. He, his his biceps don't look natural to me, if anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's, he's uh, whatever the case is, he, the guy's out of this world, right? Either way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, he's probably the uh, the biggest lifter I've spoken to so far. So most people I talk to, yes. I'm not even a crazy lifter. Like my dad looks uh, 600 and he's... Pulling- that's a
0: great deadlift.
1: It's all right. It's it's all right.
0: That's, <laughs> um, that's legit, you know, man. That's really legit. It was amazing
1: when I was deadlifting 400, I wanted the five, which is exactly like what you said. When you get to that point, you're like, all right, now what's next? Now what's next? Yeah. So, it's been a while since I pulled six. I'm hesitant to even say I could do that right now, so... um Yeah, but Encima is pretty ridiculous, such as yourself. So I wanted to ask you, because a lot of people have that difficulty with self-actualization, realizing what they're good at. And is it something that is like a trial and error process? Of course, the support of your family is really helpful. Um, So a two-part question. The second part of that is, do you find yourself to be a major driving force in your your own son's decisions and, and how you support him with what he wants to do?
0: Uh I guess I'll start out with uh the stuff with my son first, you know. Um my son is so different than me. It, it it's kind of unbelievable, but then also how similar he can be in some in some ways. Um I realize that he you know he's 15 years old and he's trying he's like specifically going out of his way to try to be different than me. He's not trying to like defy, you know, what the rules that we have in the house and stuff. He's a good kid. So he's not really doing anything real wacky like that. Um, but my dad was a suit and tie nine to five guy. And, um, I always kind of was like, I ain't doing that. Like whatever that is, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not digging that. Like, I don't want to be in a suit every day. And I think my son has looked at some of the stuff I'm doing and I think he thinks it's cool, but he wants to find his own thing. You know, he really wants to try to find his own thing. So a while back he was, uh, lifting weights with the football team and i really just encouraged that a lot and i thought that was great and i and i also told him i said you know just do do it because you like it you know don't feel like you're trying to you know chase after anything i'm doing you know and um he actually has kept with that he stopped for a little while and then i think he recognized like yeah like i actually you know enjoy this and so i just try to support the different things he likes he likes to write movie scripts he likes to shoot uh stuff for youtube um you know he i try to just encourage he loves to hang out with his grandpa and i'm like anytime you want to hang out with your grandfather even if it's at the price of your grades like i realize we got to get the grades like a certain way but who knows how long grandpa is going to be here for so like this this is really valuable it's almost more valuable than anything else you could be doing at the moment so I try my best with my children to encourage. My daughter just got into uh, volleyball recently and the changes in her have been crazy. Just a change in her. Her personality has always been real bright and she's always been real fun and funny. Um, but I- I've just seen a lot more determination in her and her grades have gotten a lot better. She doesn't always do amazing in school. And now like the worst grade that she has is a B because volleyball's got her kind of like on point and it's just kind of um, causing a cascade of disciplines to happen in, in her life. And I'm hoping with my son, I'm hoping that he can find something that causes something similar to happen. You know, like I like to wake up super early and then what happens when you start to wake up super early for a few days or a few weeks? Well, then you automatically start to go to bed a little bit earlier. And then what happens when you start to go to bed a little bit earlier? Maybe that maybe that uh, meal that you really probably shouldn't have at 9 p.m. maybe it doesn't happen anymore because maybe you're already in bed. You know, it's like these different things start to happen. And I started like laying out my clothes the night before. So that way when I wake up at 3.30, you know, when you wake up at 3.30, you can't think and you can't see. It's pitch black. And so I'll lay out clothes and I, I try to, you know, get ahead of the day another thing i'll do is as soon as i get home from work i take a shower and if i feel like taking a shower in the morning still uh because i have a little extra time i'll just do it but it's a way when i take a shower when i get home from work it's like the shower's done i already laid out my clothes for the next day it's only like 5 p.m and i'm ready for three thirty in the morning already and now i'll go down i'll have dinner with my family and and kind of so I'm hoping with my son, I'm hoping that he finds a couple of things he's really enjoying. Um and he was telling me how weird this is. He's like, Dad, I'm actually starting to like like certain parts of school. He's like, Is that really weird? I said, Dude, I said, You might be becoming a nerd. I was like, This might be the beginning of the end, you know? I'm like Not necessarily. Like, thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what to do with you. I mean you're gonna be all smart and stuff, you know. But um he he uh, is reading like Lord of the Flies in school and he's digging the book and he's Getting into like literature, and he's into stuff that's just so different. Like, I don't, I've never even read a book. So, for him to like tell me about all these books that he's read and and how he enjoys them and stuff, uh, is just so different. But I'm in full support of that, I think it's great. Uh And then to answer that second part of your question of like, you know, how the hell do you find, you know, maybe this thing that you're good at? I, I, it is a lot of trial and error, you know, there's a, and you're, you're gonna fall flat on your face, and you have to sometimes realize like maybe this is like a maybe this thing is just a hobby you um, know b maybe you're not as good as you thought you were at it and i think that that i think that that one is really important when i was in pro wrestling uh sheldon sheldon benjamin who was a uh like a four time national champion um collegiate wrestler at the university of minnesota jumped up on a top rope And then he proceeded to walk around the ring on the ropes, like a tightrope type of thing. And then he did a backflip into the ring. And the guy's jacked, and he couldn't look better. I mean, he was shredded. And I was like, whatever that was right there, I can't do that. Like, I'm not that guy. you know. And you hear people all the time say, oh, you can do anything if you apply yourself. And it's like, okay, there's definitely some truth to that. Um, but you can't all of a sudden like play in the NBA cause maybe you're not tall enough and maybe you're just not skilled enough and maybe it's just too late. Maybe you, you didn't acquire those skills at the right age or, you know, to be even like 30 years old and all of a sudden go into something like gymnastics. Uh, it's <laughs> not that you can't do it, but it would be really, really difficult. And maybe it wouldn't be in your best interest to even try it, to even go towards it because it would consume so much time. And maybe also in that process, maybe it would change slightly uh, who you are because you have to change so many damn things just to kind of get to that, uh, just to kind of get that thing. So I think it is a lot of trial and error. You have to be, um, I think a really important thing for a lot of people to try is to try to be um, open-minded and try to be accepting of things. Um, be willing to try stuff be willing to fail be okay with like if it does work out like I know a lot of people have ideas like I want to start a podcast or I want to start you know writing a book or whatever don't be afraid to fail don't be afraid to start you're going to have to just start starting is actually the easiest part I know everyone thinks it's the hardest part maintaining is the hardest part continuation is the hardest part consistency is the hardest part But if you're having trouble with consistency, then you know that it's probably a good time to bail because you're just not, it's clear that you're not as into it as you originally thought. So I think, you know, trying to find something that you can be consistent with, like, why would you be consistent with something? Why would you be consistent with um, seeing a new girl that you just met? You would be consistent because you dig them. You're like, this girl's out of this world, this girl's great. I want to spend all the time that I possibly can with them. So as soon as I get off of work or as soon as I get out of school, boom, I'm going over and I'm going to pick them up and we're going to hang out. And you're going to hang out as much as you can. And it's not hard to have consistency. So you have to think about like, you know, what's something that you can have consistency with and you could take that into any aspect of your life. That could be relationships. It could be diet. It could be strength training. It could be whatever.
1: Hmm. Well it makes sense. And and on that, I actually wanted to ask you, you mentioned the rock at the beginning of this podcast. And the rock is something you can you can look to him and you can be inspired, or you can look to him and you can start to beat up on yourself because you're not there yet. I know that you're you, you've spoken on this a lot, and, and I wanted to get your take on it because I think you have an overall healthy opinion of comparing yourself with others, but doing so in a way that's obviously more for inspiration, to inspire, to, to give breath, to give life to the individual that's you know, on looking someone else's vast achievements, as opposed to starting to beat themselves up, and then really just think they can, they can never get there. And, and and much like you alluded to a moment ago, people think that that the rock started out as the rock that way. You know, it's not this gradual step by step, where you know I, I always like to use the example of you're in a big ocean or a big sea, and you have a ship with a sail. You need to adjust the course just slightly to get to. Mm-hmm you know, miles and miles down the road. But people don't like to think of these little adjustments they need to make. They just see the end game. And if they're not there yet tomorrow, they beat themselves up. So I just want to get your take on how to find inspiration in others that would motivate one to take action themselves.
0: Yeah, I think um, it it can be really hard. You know, you kind of look at what somebody else has. Um, Even worse than looking at the rock is looking at, let's say you're 23 years old and you look at someone else that's twenty three years old, it's like, oh my God, like maybe you're maybe you're a personal trainer and maybe this other person that you look at, you stumble upon, they're a personal trainer, an online coach, and they're shredded and they have a Lambo or something, right? Like now you're just like like man, like what like what am I gonna do? You know, what difference am I gonna make in this world? And so I think um you just have to know that just things take a lot of reps. They take a lot of sets and there's going to be a lot of workouts that have to happen uh, in order for you to be good at anything. Um, I always say that it takes, you know, it takes about 10 years to be good at something. And so that can be disheartening sometimes because you're like, man, 10 years. And, And I think in this day and age, things can be faster. You can actually learn stuff pretty good and have a pretty strong understanding of something maybe in like four or five years, maybe about half that amount of time. But, When I've seen people that are strong, when somebody benches five hundred, when somebody even when somebody deadlifts what you said six hundred, almost always, I mean there are some occasions where it's not true, but almost always when someone has deadlifted six hundred pounds, they probably have been messing around with weights for about a decade. Give or take a couple. Is that the case with yourself?
1: Yeah, it was about seven years before I hit that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they I mean, that's a long that's a long seven years ago you were such a different person. Oh yeah. You probably looked different. You probably thought different. I mean, so many
1: clean cut suit and tie.
0: <laughs> yeah, So many things have changed in the course of those uh, in the course of those seven years. So I like what you said. Your analogy about how you might have to uh, change course a little bit. But when you're you're looking at some of these other people, I think you can try to start to think about how, like, just start to think about how did they get to where they are? You know, um, the Rock. You know, The Rock is, um, is, like, the most famous person on Earth right now. And then, like, why is the most famous person on Earth? It's, it's kind of hard to figure out in some ways. Um, is he the best, uh, most qualified actor in the world? I don't know. Like, maybe some people feel that he is. Um, but I think a lot of people would say there's probably some actors out there that are better, right? But what does The Rock do? He shares a lot of himself. You know, Tom Cruise is also a great actor but I don't really see Tom Cruise sharing himself in that way. And then Tom Cruise might have um, political or religious uh, beliefs that rub people the wrong way. And they're like, I'm not into that. And and maybe uh, Tom Cruise isn't after, you know, trying to be uh, more famous and trying to elevate and get to the next level. Cause he feels like he's already uh, leveled up, but it can be confusing when you're looking at other people and you're thinking about the stuff that you don't have. And I think a big, Thing would be to focus in on the things that you do have and how to execute to just move along and be a little bit little bit better i remember as john cena was progressing in wwe he was wrestling at wrestlemania i told him how proud i was as a friend i was like man that is that is just that is really cool like he and i talked about wrestling at wrestlemania and then he was doing it and i'm like wow i'm like that's really exciting that's really great. And at the time, I was a football coach uh, in Woodland, uh, California, for a school uh, called Pioneer High School. And, you know, I was telling him about that and how I was enjoying that and how I was, you know, really connecting with the kids and I was teaching them about strength and how it just, it really filled me up. It made me feel really good. And as we're having this conversation about him wrestling at WrestleMania and being like uh, almost the main event that year, um, You know, he wrote back to me and he goes, buddy, I'd switch places with you in a second. He's like, what you're doing is so cool and it's impacting people in a much different way than I can impact people from being inside the ring. And I was just like, I was like, whoa, like what the hell? And so one isn't really better than the other. And this is something I share with people too. So the rock means a lot to his children. The rock means a lot to his significant other. I think he just got married. So the rock means a lot to his wife. Um, does the rock, uh, mean any more to his wife than somebody else would mean to their wife? I would, I would, I would like to think not right. Cause love is love. Like you, you love someone, you appreciate them. And if, uh, things are going smooth and things are going the way they're supposed to, um, that should still be even right. Um, the rock, you know, maybe the rock has a brother or maybe the rock and you start to kind of unpack some of these things and think about some of these things, um, And you can think about, you know, if someone was to die, like it's an unfortunate thing, but you think about if someone was to die, they're going to matter to their family the same way you're going to matter to your family. If you've been a good person, if you've been a piece of shit, then, then maybe not. But you start to understand what I'm talking about here. The rock isn't any more valuable than somebody else. He has attributes and he has things that he has built up for many, many years of training his body, mind and spirit where he has advanced in some of these other ways but they're all kind of um they're it's like the way of like modern man like it, it doesn't really equate to anything all that different when you start to think about the things that somebody else does uh maybe there's like a football coach in your area or a minister or um a nurse or some maybe there's somebody in your area that's doing more for people that they actually see all the time in person than the rock could ever possibly imagine to impact right so it's it's a it's a weird thing to kind of like try to really break some of these things down um but when you break it down like that what does he have that somebody else doesn't have you know minus you've got to minus out like the financial gain because that's just like um and you got to minus out some of these other things and and uh and just really try to make sense of it um from a from a feeling good as a human being purpose because if you think about it from uh just our view of success uh then you might feel like shit about yourself and that's not really the the rock or any of these people would be the first people to tell you look man we're, we're similar my brother uh struggles financially and i and i don't and we talk we've talked about these things before and i'm like dude I I love you the same as you love me. Like you don't love me more cuz I make more money. Like there's nothing that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. So there's really, you know, I I understand there's still going to be like a struggle that happens with like if you don't have finances, it it can make your life extremely uh inconvenient. But it's not going to necessarily patch everything up in your life and it's not going to make your life more complete.
1: Hmm. So I'm just to try and summarize a bit of what you said there. It seems like shifting away from envy or jealousy and more into gratitude for what you have and what you're capable of and what you're doing. So, if you're a minister and you're helping people in your community, shifting into that is going to be more valuable or resourceful to the individual rather than constantly looking at the external stuff, right?
0: Yeah, and really try to just, you know, really try to simplify stuff. Spend more time on the things that you like doing rather than the things you hate doing. And maybe at the moment, maybe there's a bunch of stuff that you you don't really love doing, um, but you can get yourself to a point where you start to uh, aim and head towards a direction. You're not always gonna. Every day is not going to be jam packed with things that you love to do. there be a couple of things that you you know you kind of just need to do and have to do that maybe you don't really truly love, but it you know kind of following this kind of entre- entrepreneurial spirit even if you even if you even if you're not an entrepreneur i think that you can still follow the spirit of it in the sense that you can start to figure out what are things that you really enjoy doing and really ask yourself you know ask do i do i really love spending a half an hour on a post for instagram like do you read do you really love that? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like oh, no. <laughs> you yeah, know, you, you got to, but you have to sometimes like really kind of think about it. Right. Maybe somebody right. does. Maybe somebody loves, maybe they love the impact and the interaction that happens from a well-planned and well-timed post, and that's okay. Um, and so you just have to think for yourself on what. what are these things that matter most to you? And then also just really have a great understanding of, you can't really change. Uh, you can't really change who you are, but you can change so many aspects of what you're doing and what you have going on to the point where it really looks like you changed who you are, and it appears to other people. Just not even uh, just outward appearance, but also your in your uh, your energy from the inside. Everything can be changed, and it, it all happens through. Um, you know, the rock started building his body one rep at a time just like everybody else you know he did a set of curls at one point and nowadays his arms are like 20 inches right or jay cutler or any of these top level uh physiques that we've seen over the years it all started with one rep and then that one rep turned into a set that one set turned into multiple sets those multiple sets turned into workouts those workouts turned into multiple workouts and those that all strung together Uh, in a thing where they started being consistent with their workouts and then it it bled into other parts of their life they're like you know what if I'm going to be lifting this way I should probably I should probably be eating more protein that sounds reasonable because I want more muscle mass oh man I should probably eat more like this because I'm you know even though I'm getting more muscle mass I'm a little bloated and I'm a little this and I'm a little that and you can start to really carve out but again I think it's a find the things that you love to do and it and it should shape everything else up it should cause a cascade of disciplines to happen in your life that you almost don't even recognize are happening anymore Mm -hmm.
1: i really like how you approach lifting exercise like really like a meathead philosopher really at the end of the day because really it does carry over to just about everything in life right just rep after rep
0: and just yeah it's something we've been sharing here um at our gym lately and at Slingshot, you know, we have a campaign that we're we're starting called Lift Through It. And um, you can, it's my opinion that you can kind of lift through anything. And the reason why I think that way is I've seen people lift through depression, uh, divorce, um, diabetes, cancer, all kinds of different things. And sometimes it's just like, just flat out just self-worth, which is uh, maybe like, uh, maybe one of the most valuable things that you can have um you know you can you can get up on top of a table and and chant for yourself and say like you know i'm a badass i'm going to take on today you know and uh, i'm grateful for this and i you know uh, you can have these positive affirmations and fill your spirit up with all this great positive energy and all that is fantastic uh however i don't think it really will have a big impact unless you really feel great about yourself um it would be like if i told you hey man on your podcast Uh, tomorrow you know I'm gonna pay you to do a uh, uh, um, a commercial for my mind bullet product right and let's say that you don't believe in the product or you don't like the product or you got some issue with it when you say it most of the people around you especially the people that know you are gonna know that you're you don't really mean it like they can tell you're 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 speaking on something that's like out of bounds with like your conscious your consciousness and so I think that you have to really try to find a lot of things that that flow and that go and that go with you and things that and if you truly feel good about yourself, then you will be uh, implementing these disciplines I'm talking about because you know that it's in your best interest. But if you are shouting and saying that you, you know, uh, are a great person or that you're going to like fulfill some of these dreams or fantasies that you have, but you don't really mean it. It's going to be really really hard to accomplish it and so how do we get ourselves to a point how do we get someone that maybe uh, doesn't have a lot of self-respect how do we get someone to earn some of that and the key right there is they you have to earn it it can't be given to you it can't be outsourced there's no way there's no other way of getting it if you start if you're let's say you're overweight and you're just sick and tired of it and you're like know what that's it I'm I'm on a diet now you know I'm I'm on this plan I'm on this path now and I'm gonna change some things up I'm gonna walk every day I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do B I'm gonna do C when you follow through with that and you prove to yourself you're like I want to lose 20 pounds let's say you lost 10 pounds you go into your office or you go into where people haven't seen you in a little bit and they go oh my god what have you been doing you look great are you losing weight that compliment will will fire you off in the right direction uh like you wouldn't believe sometimes a compliment from someone i think everybody listening to this podcast right now can think back in time to a compliment that they've had that has lasted a lifetime and it could be something so silly it could be you know someone could say oh you know i really I, i really love the way you uh jump or something i mean it could be something weird or you jump really high and you because you play basketball or something Some, and you could remember that forever if it came from like an older kid or something like that mm-hmm. um, it's really really crazy how strong and how powerful that can be well now you're taking that inside and you're like i told myself i was going to lose weight i started to lose weight i actually know how to do that and i got confirmation i know that's working because not only can i see it and not only can i see it on the scale But someone else told me they came in and they gave me that boost and now you're gonna really be uh, headed off in the right direction so it's great to you know be positive about yourself but it's so much better to really mean it and it all always starts with your first step you got to figure out how to get that first step
1: Mm -hmm. it actually works both ways too because someone can say something mean and as long as you don't take that too offensively you can actually use that as fuel as well as you were saying that someone could compliment, that it was reminding me of someone about seven years ago, someone I hadn't seen in a while coming up to me and I was just like uh, having a coffee at a coffee shop. And uh, she said to me, "Uh, how you doing, whatever, whatever. And I said, I'm pretty good. And and then she made some remark about, uh, you look a little bit thicker right now. And I was like, well, I haven't exercised in a while. All she said was, I can tell. She said, I can (laughs) tell. And I was like, oh my, it's gotten to that point, has it? From there, yeah. is when I really started to lose the weight and everything, and it's just holding those little comments to heart as opposed to, you know, letting them hurt you or, or whatever it may be. And, and it could work exactly like what you said with someone giving you a positive, uh, positive feedback. I've had that with business; it just boosts me up for like weeks on end. If someone, client, says something nice to me, right. I'm like, great! I'm actually doing something good for people. You know, it's really reassuring. I think
0: that, um, like, self consciousness is is amazing and it's powerful, and you should be. You should be conscious of yourself, but you shouldn't be like overly self-conscious, if that makes sense. Like you should understand kind of like where you are and where you fit. And, um, you know, if someone else has to kind of tell you that you're chubbing out a little bit um, and, and hopefully it's not too harmful and hopefully you're right. Hopefully you can internalize it and say, you know what, that person's right. Or maybe somebody was actually really like that was not that harmful, but maybe somebody was really mean to you. Oh, yeah. And you can think, you know what? I'm going to use that and make them, you know, I'm going to make them realize I am uh, capable of of this of these things. But, again, I think even when you're like I've done that many times where you've taken something negative and, and tried to, uh, you know, use it as fuel. And you can, but it still has to be – you have to just make sure that it's for yourself. You know, make sure it's not – if you're doing it for other people, your candle might burn out pretty quick.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a slippery slope, actually. To, to make sure you're doing it for yourself, yeah, yeah. In that case, I definitely started doing it for myself. It's like I went home, looked in the mirror, was like, yeah, that, that's not a lie. That's just straight facts right there. So it was right. yeah, and,
0: and it was well, and it was also like unacceptable for you. So you were like, I heard what they said. That's their own kind of like judgment, but you're like, I don't look the way I want to look. This is unacceptable for me. It's time for me to mm-hmm. time for me to start. And you know what? It was actually
1: him. around that time I found your YouTube channel. Was about oh, know, cool. seven or so years ago. So, honestly, right around the time you, you probably started, out, it was like old, old Super Training Gym. Um, you just had one of the most hardcore channels out there for powerlifting, you know, to actually see some people move some iron. It was like, is right. probably the best channel around. So, thank you for that, anyways. You're you one of the pioneers of uploading that type of content.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I think, um, it, you know, what I was uh, fascinated by at that time was just. I was like, man, the, the weights that were moving around in the gym. I'm like, I, I know other people would dig it. So I was like, we gotta just, we gotta just document it. And it was pretty, you know, it's pretty damn uh, raw. And I think like, you know, I don't really know who did what first, but I, you know, we were so early. We were 2007 with YouTube. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we're some of the first um, like voiceover lifting videos ever. You yeah. know, so. Yeah, we we got in early on a lot of that stuff and it makes me feel good and we still got the channel going and still cranking. Um, A lot of things have changed because we bring in a lot of guests and um, you know, it's not so much just focused in on just straight up powerlifting, but um, people still appreciate it. And I'm actually, um, I've had this uh, harebrained idea just the last couple of days. I might start up my own um, YouTube channel as well. So we have the gym channel, which focuses in on a lot of the people in the gym and it focuses in on a lot of the great guests that we have come here to Super Training, um, but we recently hired another camera person, and so um, I might, I don't know if you've ever seen our uh, uh, our series, uh, Hustle Mania, but uh, might have uh, some more series that are pr- primarily just me.
1: Yeah, I really like that idea, actually. And, and even uh, if you would be interested in hopping on some like new platform like TikTok, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but now that you've got to- Yeah, career, absolutely. You- um, Gary Vee actually started using that platform and I like his approach right. because the audience is like 9 or 8 or 9 years old to 13 or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. I learned about it, my niece was staying, um, staying at my house for a couple months and she was on it constantly, like day and night. We actually had to take her phone away because she was going to sleep with the phone, waking up with the phone. So we had to like, set some rules for it. But uh, a new platform like that, I think your message, everything that you offer would, would be amazing for some of these younger people. Either ones that are looking to establish more confidence for themselves, or get into lifting, exercise. Like I just think there's a lot there that you could really offer people. So uh, if if I'm the one to give you that push for TikTok, yeah, yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, I think it's definitely. Yeah, good.
0: no, it sounds it sounds good. I mean, I think uh, you know one of the issues with having a YouTube channel that's that's uh, been around for so long, if you have some of those early adopters in there, you have some of the people that have been watching from the beginning, they'll be like, oh man, this content has changed so much, and it's like, well, we're just evolving, and we're you know, we're moving in different directions because how many times can we talk about a bench squat or deadlift? And that's kind of the reason why I think maybe, you know, possibly starting up a new one, I wouldn't abandon the other one. The other one's still going to be great. And we have like 450,000 subscribers or something on there. But I think starting something new uh, would give an opportunity to people like, look, if you dig this content, then come follow it. But if you don't, don't worry about it. Because like I said, you know, as for yourself, even like seven years ago, you're a way different person. And so there would be a lot of changes, a lot of different things that, that have happened. And that spans for us since 2007. And I think, uh, you know, getting a new uh, YouTube channel might be a good idea.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be a great idea. I, I would be one of your first subscribers. So make it happen. There we go. I'll be there. <laughs> so I want to ask you about um, your relationship with your wife, because you, you mentioned you could two have worked together. How long have you been together for now?
0: Uh, we've been together. Um, uh, we're we're going to be going on our like 20th year of, uh, our our 20th anniversary will be like August of next year. Yeah. So we've been together for a long time, like 22 years, probably. Mm,
1: And did you have a difficulty getting into a work kind of relationship dynamic with her? Did it just kind of like blend together really nicely? I know you two work together on the power magazine. So did you ever butt heads when it comes to working together or was it just kind of smooth the whole way through?
0: You know, it's, um, in in um let's see in like uh, let's see in specific terms, we don't really butt heads because what she does specifically and what I do specifically are are very different. Where we'll butt heads is um we're just we're just very different in general. And so what I mean by that is um let like let, let's take Power Magazine for example, which which we uh, don't have anymore, but we had a good run with it for about six seven years. Um. Pa- with power magazine my wife has um been part of uh, publications in the past and so she understood like how to put together a magazine and we had like one or two other people that helped us with it but that was basically her thing my thing was content so i just went and i would go fish for the content i would write articles myself um and and i'd interview people and stuff like that and so there was she might say oh you know what you need to uh, you know follow up this person get more photos and but there wasn't really anything to clash heads on because it was all like technical. It was all like kind of specific stuff. And again, what she did specifically was just uh, so much different than what I did specifically. And then even on slingshot, you know, she does, you know, what I would call like the back end of a lot of stuff. Like she's, um, uh, like logistics and operations and things like that, that she's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe somebody needs to buy a new piece of equipment, um, uh, to film something or whatever, she's going to be the one that signs off on that. She's going to be the one that says, Hey, you know, uh, that's cool that that thing's 5,000 bucks and it does all these neat things, but let's maybe for the time being, let's maybe get the one that's 2,000 bucks. Cause I'm sure it will work just fine for what we need, you know, that kind of stuff. And so she's heavily involved in a lot of those things where my butt head. So is more like in general terms, I am a, am uh, a dreamer and I am a believer and uh you know i just dream and believe in some different things and she does so she might she she's dollars and cents she's like black and white like this has to make sense this has to work out um we need to get our return on these things and for me i don't even i don't even look at numbers at all i don't look at um you know i don't look to see how our ads are doing i don't look to see you know how much money we made in a month or a week or day or I never look at any of that stuff um, on occasion, just because like, you know, certain times a year we're trying to get like a PR on something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I might, you know, I might uh, be aware of like how much money we made in a specific month or, you know, some something like that. But for the most part, she's, uh, you know, really dealing with the uh, details. And so, you know, I might think um, one way on, on certain things and she might think it completely another way because i'm um, like i said like a, a believer i uh you know i think that like if you if you have a good strong powerful mindset and you're really positive a lot of good and positive great things will happen and my wife's like no fuck that like you need to take action for good things to happen like things aren't just gonna happen you know and so uh i think it's a good it's a good uh clash though because she's like well how does that make sense like that doesn't make sense for us to like go and jump in and and do that because we need to make sure that it's going to work out. Like things don't just work out. You have to make them work out. So it's kind of great that we have, um, opposite ends of the spectrum on that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a good balance actually. Right. So I want to ask you about your free gym. So what inspired you to make it free? And I I assume it has to do with helping others as you, you mentioned earlier. Um, but when I first heard you're doing it first, I was like, wow, it'd be great if I lived nearby. I'd go to your gym all the time. Um, but what, first of all, do you get a lot of people coming and going through the gym or is, is, is it often regulars or is it new people? Like what type yeah. of visitors are you getting in there? And, and what really drove you to make the whole gym free like that?
0: We've had the gym since probably about 2006. And I would say it was probably in about 2010 or so when I made, when I made the gym free. Um, I always wanted to have the gym free, but I couldn't afford to have the gym free in the beginning. And so the gym was 125 bucks a month. And uh, the reason why, like it, it's not nineteen wasn't 19 bucks a month was because it was a powerlifting gym and it was very specific. And I would work with the individuals in there on their bench, on their squat, on their deadlift, and spent a lot of time with them. I was basically everyone's like coach um, at that at that time. And so as we started to as the gym started to evolve, as the gym got a little bit bigger, and as I just really started to think more and, um, I guess, like, be creative, when I thought of, you know, when I came up with the idea of the slingshot is when uh, I was able to transition into making the gym free. And I, that was always in my heart. I was like, I want to make the gym free. Like, these, these are my – this is my family. Like, I don't, you know, really feel great collecting a check from them, Uh, every month and 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 even chasing some people down for it and stuff it just get awkward and it was also like it couldn't be unfair to others because you know I couldn't like make a deal with you and then you know have my other buddy over here paying like that didn't feel great either so the whole situation never really felt good to me never really felt great and you know 125 bucks from you know 15 people it's like it's just not a lot of it's not a lot of money anyway, like in the grand scheme of things, it did help at the time. Cause I just didn't have a lot of dough, but as soon as a slingshot came around and as soon as that idea uh, started to head in the right direction, I made the gym free. Um, reason number one to make it free was because I couldn't uh, spend as much time with everybody as I needed to. The other reason why I was free is in my opinion, this might say, I sound like arrogant, but I just, I really value the information that I've learned from others over the years, and there's no scenario that I can even think of where someone can pay me enough money uh, for it to actually work out for me to uh, share what I have you know in my heart and so that was always weird too. I'm like, you know if I was to charge you what it would really cost, like you know you wouldn't be able to train here and it would just be kind of weird so. And also on my end too, like, it's not like I have this crazy knowledge. It's just, I have learned a lot from a lot of great people. I've rubbed elbows with a lot of great people and they never, they never charged me for it either. You know, and some, some things I went to like seminars and stuff for, but I rubbed elbows with Dave Tate and Ed Cohn and some of these, you know, great Louis Simmons, some of these great powerlifting minds over the years. And uh, I was also never charged for it for another reason. uh, Another reason why the gym was made free um, was also because when I trained at Westside Barbell uh, with uh, Louis Simmons, that that gym was free as well, and I always thought that was really cool. And that really, the the lifters in that gym, they they would like die for Louis. Like they they lo- they just loved getting PRs. They loved like um, you know really putting everything they had into it. And I saw the passion there, and I knew my gym was going to be different. Like there's no other Westside Barbell in the world um and, and i knew that like you know our guys aren't maybe as uh, high level as what they they have going on over there uh but i knew that by making the gym free um it just drops down another barrier of to entry and allows people that cuz a lot of the people that really dedicate themselves to the gym sometimes especially when you meet them early on they're they're like i was they're a little incomplete they can't figure out how to make money they can't figure out how to do a b and c because their mind is so attracted to what's going on in the gym and it might take uh, a few years for them to start to be more stable and start to understand, oh man, I I took my squat from 400 to 500 and I took my bench from 300 to 400. Wow. Maybe I could, you know, make those same improvements outside the gym. And so those are some of the reasons why the gym's free. And the other thing that it does by making the gym free, um, everyone in the it's like more of a family environment everyone really helps each other out you know you look at like a commercial gym where people are paying a certain amount to to train there every month you know this person over here has their goal this person over here has their goal and each person has like their own goal no one ever really talks to each other or encourages each other uh the men and women that train here at super training they they would do anything for each other it's like a family
1: Mm. so you, you very much modeled it like the louis simmons uh West side right. bar yeah so and you've done a bunch of free seminars as well um i actually was going to catch one of them i don't know if it was free but is it was at fortis fitness Was that in oh yeah yeah that was like last yeah, year or was that the year before
0: uh it was probably about two years ago but that was crazy it was like 400 people there
1: yeah i saw that yeah <laughs> uh, i was actually i lived in the city of toronto for several years but i moved just outside of the city because it's just too friggin' hectic um mm. to try and drive around or do anything but i, I got yeah, that much sense of community of like being in fortis fitness you'd be squatting next to someone and you could just shoot the shit in between your sets you can you know and it doesn't matter if they're squatting way less than you or if they're a woman or a man it was just yeah. this this great sense of camaraderie so uh, i really appreciate what you're what you're describing there because I, I definitely experienced it um, with fortis and that's a great gym too it would be yeah that gym's
0: amazing another rule that we have here too is that you can't wear headphones And uh, part of that is like I want people communicating with each other. I want people talking to each other. And um, you know, I don't I I don't want you sitting in the corner just with your uh, you know music music playing. I'd rather have you interacting. Hey, what are you doing today? Oh, cool, you're working on squats. Hey, man, can I hop in with you? Or hey, if you need any spots or what? Oh, you're doing a max single. Cool, man, I'll be there for you. Let me know. Let me know if you need help. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's what really drew me into lifting initially was because that Fortis was one of the first gyms I went to. And this was before they moved to that larger facility they have now. And just the, the amount of uh, support you get from, from the community is pretty awesome. Um, so I wanted to actually ask you about your bodybuilding, because I know you just did your first show not too long ago. And I think it kind of ties in with a lot of what we're describing here of really trying to set a goal for yourself, aligned to that goal. And, and as you mentioned earlier, actually, something that's kind of in line with your consciousness in a way. So something that's really kind of, I guess you're following your heart more so, uh, or you're just being more open to... To some new opportunities because um i haven't heard too much of you describing the bodybuilding experience but Mm -hmm. i know that you know you didn't have much of it prior to that so this must have been a bit of a challenge for you and especially being in the public eye uh you know to to challenge yourself in front of everyone like that is is pretty interesting (laughs) as well so um yeah i just wanted to get your take on on that whole process how you led up to it and if you encountered any difficulties what you did to overcome them and if you said if you felt a sense of fulfillment once you got off that stage and like boom check that off my list i did the show
0: yeah you know it was it was amazing uh doing a bodybuilding show i i I didn't really i knew i knew that i didn't know much about bodybuilding but i i now know how little i truly knew as i started to head in that direction um and some people might know what i'm talking about like when you lose weight like i used to be 330 pounds so when you start to lose weight and you're like oh i just need to lose like 30 pounds (laughs) you start to lose like 20 pounds and you're like Man, I need to lose a lot more than that. Like it's it's a lot it's a lot bigger of a thing than you initially thought. And that's what happened with, with bodybuilding is it, it was a lot um it was a real eye opener in terms of like how hard it was gonna be and uh what it was gonna really take to be able to do it. Um, but something that helped me over the last couple of years is I I've been replacing the word work with opportunity. And so when I start to think about oh my god like doing a bodybuilding show that would be so much hard work instead of that i'm like wow doing a bodybuilding show would be a really cool opportunity and like how much would i learn from it and and then how much would you know definitely thinking of social media too i think sometimes people are ashamed to admit that something's like a social media ploy or something like that um but i got i got no shame on it i i it wasn't a social media ploy it was something i took very seriously but i understood the impact that it would have. I'm like, what would this do for the fans that I have? What would this do for the supporters that I have? They would probably actually really dig this. And even if I fell flat on my face, I could say, Hey, you know what? Like I, I was really doing the best I could. And for whatever reason, I don't have the mental capacity to hang on. I had to bow out, you know? So I I even thought, I thought it pretty good. You know, I thought about it, um, quite a bit, but um i would have never done it if it wasn't for Hani rambod who came on our podcast you know he he um we were talking about just the shape i'm in and the shape i used to be in as a power lifter and stuff and he was like you know what man he's like you're in pretty good shape he's like you owe it to your fans he's like that's it you're gonna do a bodybuilding show and i was like what and He was like yeah there's one you know here in sacramento at the end of august and he's like we're gonna sign you up and um he's like what do you think and i said I said, I don't know anything about bodybuilding. And he's like, well, I do. I'll coach you through it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm in. And uh, it was about an eight-week prep from what I remember, eight or nine-week prep. So it was a pretty quick turnaround time. And uh, he helped whip me into shape with a, basically the diet that he gave me and the amount of cardio uh, that, he t- that he told me to do. Um, 20 minutes of cardio three times a week uh, turned into uh, – 40 minutes of cardio three times a week turned into 45 minutes of cardio six days a week turned into 90 minutes of cardio uh every day uh down the stretch for like the last two weeks pretty wild and i you know i i I don't all i know is like what's presented in front of me all i know is are things that i've seen and things that i've heard and i'm like man that amount of cardio sounds dumb like just from the information i currently have you know and so I was like, I, w- I just did what I was told though. I was like, I'm going to put my faith in him. Like he's done this before. He' has world champion bodybuilders, so I'm just going to listen to him, and I'm just not going to worry about it. So I-, I did what he said, and it ended up working out great. But at the same time, there's part of me going like, "Doesn't that amount of cardio like make you burn muscle?" And like it, it was actually really uh, interesting to go through the whole process and to, you know, I- I'm a huge proponent of a ketogenic-style diet. Even while doing the bodybuilding show, my carbohydrates weren't very high, but he shifted me more into like a traditional bodybuilding style of uh, diet. And I, I basically had, you know, protein, carbs, and fat, but the fat was pretty low. The carbs were like really modest. I mean, uh, some days I might have like 200, on another day I might have like 150 or 100, depending on how much training, how much activity was there. He didn't want to mess with the carbs too much because he was like, You don't really eat carbs. So he's like, I don't know. Like if we go and throw a bunch of carbs in at you, you only have eight weeks. So we can't really, you know, can't really mess with that for now. And uh, protein was about, you know, one gram or maybe slightly above 1.5 grams per pound of body weight. And so from a caloric standpoint, from what I remember, um, I think I was having, still having a good amount of calories. Uh, I think I was, you know, over 3,000, maybe like 3,500 or so. A day, but I, I didn't. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of uh, of counting calories, but it's just the diet that he gave me. He gave me an actual meal plan, which had you know the amount of the amount uh, the amount of food consumed in each meal, like you know six ounces of chicken and you know half a cup of rice or whatever. Um, it ended up being like I think around 3,500 uh, calories a day, but it pushed me to a whole nother level and it made me doing that bodybuilding show made me recognize that I think that I was probably in, in uh many aspects of my life only at like 60 or 70% of my capacity. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't pushing as hard as I, as hard as I could. And I needed bodybuilding to really show me that because you know, when you're up against it and you, you're you're in that set where you're like oh my god like i'm you're doing like a machine press or something machine bench press and you're on rep number eight and you're supposed to get to like 15 and you're like it literally feels like blood is squirting out of my chest like i don't have any more reps left that's when you got to really dig deep and that's when you really got to go for it on top of that when it comes to bodybuilding there's so many other things that might happen i mean first of all you got to get all your cardio training in which which is very time consuming the meal prep is very time consuming um, even having a tan is time consuming and so all these things are, are super uh, time consuming but your transition from one thing to the next is everything it's huge how long does it take you to recover from a set how long does it take you to recover from a rep to be able to pump out another rep and then when you're when your back is to the wall and you feel like you can't do anymore that's the moment where you need to do the most and that's the spot that you want to try to live in when it comes to bodybuilding you're not trying to like you know over over train or not trying to like annihilate yourself and kill yourself or anything but you are really trying to stick it to yourself because that's going to get you the best results so you're on you know rep number seven eight nine ten and you finally do get to that 15th rep it ain't over yet like that's just the end of that set and now you got 60 seconds you know you got you got a minute to huff and puff and to get going again, and so what I learned from it, probably more so than anything, was the transitions that I have in my day to day, and how important is it? Is it really that important? Important for me to talk, be talking to this person at this moment, or should I be bouncing to something else? Should I be getting to the next exercise? Should I be getting to my next uh, set? And so. A lot of other aspects of my life I feel have improved greatly just from doing that bodybuilding show and it was a year and a few months ago and on stage I weighed 235 pounds and this morning I weighed 235 pounds. So I've been able to really hold on to that discipline. Um, I don't look the same. I was in better shape then, but it's, a lot of it's just because of the cardio training and just the. I don't have the time to, to put into uh, what I did for that show at the moment. But, you know, I, I feel really good and it has me in the best shape of my life. So I'm, I'm super grateful and uh, thankful. And I think that everyone should put their ass on the line in some way. I was ta- just talking to uh, a guy in the military yesterday and he was talking about these military tests that he has. And I thought to myself, um, wow, I'm like, everyone needs to be like testing themselves. If you think about this is getting a little off topic, but you think about like, you know, there's this accelerated learning curve that people have talked about for many years from the time you're born to the time you're like 18 well then it just starts to go it starts to go way downhill after a while because you get a job or you go to college mm-hmm. and you think like well going to college or getting a job you're you know you're going to continue to have more accelerated learning but you're not going to learn as much as you are in those first couple of years things are going to be pretty uh pretty new to you um but a reason why a lot of people fall off usually after college and when they get a job is because they're not being tested anymore. They don't have a test anymore. They put down their pencil and they don't have to really think in that way. They're not challenged in that way anymore. And so sometimes these 30 day challenges that you see on Instagram, um, sometimes promoted by a gym. Um,
1: Wim Hof's got one right now, actually.
0: The Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. From a diet perspective or from just breathing or from, I mean, shit, ice baths, it could be anything. But these challenges are fantastic because what is a challenge? A challenge really like a test. And that bodybuilding show was a test for me. And I think other people should be looking and searching and uh, be real open to a test because, again, if you take a test, it's going to give you a wonderful opportunity. It will take a lot of work to be able to pass the test. Um, but it will end up opening up a lot of great opportunities for you. It could be a 5K run. It could be a bodybuilding show. It could be a powerlifting meet. It could be you just want to be able to do 20 push-ups in a row. Like, there's so many – you can take it uh, so many different ways, but if you're not testing and challenging yourself, uh, then I – I mean, I would go as far as to say, like, I don't even know why you're here. You know, so I, I I think it's that important.
1: Right. And it's kind of ties in with a saying that you have, it's you're either growing or you're dying, right?
0: Right. Absolutely. The
1: purpose of taking your, your birth, your incarnation here is to have these experiences, have these opportunities you're describing. And I like that you being so seasoned in fitness still felt that you had something that you could take, take away from it. And by having that new opportunity, that new experience of bodybuilding, you were able to do so. Actually that would be really great content for your new YouTube channel if you just did challenges and took them upon yourself because they're kind of like personal growth and I, and I think they are really important for people to do. Uh, I, I love Wim Hof. I, I do the Canadian dive in the lake type of thing in the winter and it's freezing nice. freaking cold. But uh, I, I like the fact that it does push you to that limit where like, I couldn't feel my feet. Uh, and my, my wife Ooh. actually, we, we were down there. Um, <laughs> she was waiting for me. I did it on a whim, pun intended. Uh, yeah. I was down there. I hopped in the water, couldn't feel my feet. And she's like, what if you get hypothermia? How are we gonna drive home? I was like, I don't know, figure it out after I get out of the water. <laughs> right. You know, like, just doing it, seeing where you end up and then just taking away what you can from it, um, I think is really important. Um, so I wanna ask you about your uh, full body routines. Have you been doing those more since the, the bodybuilding? And I, I ask because I've started doing them myself just at, to save time. I don't really do like the deadlift day, the bench day, yeah. whatever it is. I kinda of just do everything in one day, exercise to exercise, and I, I feel great and it seems to be okay. I don't know if it helps my PRs, but I just feel great. So did you start to shift to the full body after doing the bodybuilding show?
0: Um, during the bodybuilding show, I still had kind of a traditional like bro split type thing going on. You know, I had, like shoulder day and biceps and triceps were paired together and, and things like that. Um, one of the hardest parts of, of the, doing a bodybuilding show for me was to really learn how to get a pump and then like sustain it. I had a decent idea of like how to get a pump uh, just from over the years you know I could figure out how to get a good pump on some like inclined dumbbell presses or something, but to really get a pump in your biceps or your triceps or specifically like in your shoulders or in your quads and then to really try to maintain it and really try to like uh, make it feel like someone's just pumping tons and tons of blood into the area is actually a little bit of an art and it's kind of a hard thing to figure out a little bit and so It took me a few weeks to really learn that. It took me a few weeks to like learn for me personally because I've torn both of my biceps. It took me a while to figure out, okay, I got to pre-fatigue my biceps in order to have a good bicep workout. So what I mean by that is I would have to, you know, take like a curl bar and I'd have to do like four sets of maybe, I don't know, 20 reps or something. You know, nearly do like, you know, 80 or 100 reps and then I could start my bicep workout. And that was just for me because I had to get a lot of blood into the biceps before I started. And for each person, it might be different. They might have a weak point, that they need to try to get a lot of blood flow to first before they start exercising. And then you'll find that the pump throughout the entire uh, training session just feels a lot different or feels a lot stronger. And in bodybuilding, I think that the pump is really – it's, it's something that you, you need to chase. it. You hear people talking about chasing the pump. I think it's important. Uh, The more that pump stays there and the longer you can kind of maintain it, the better. I also learned a lot of weird stuff that I didn't think, um, I just didn't really think about because I never did bodybuilding before. But the lower repetitions are still extremely beneficial. So um, let's say you're going to do a drop set and you're going to do some like Arnold presses mixed with some uh, lateral raises. So you do an Arnold press. Now you could grab like 20 pound dumbbells and do like, you know, 40 reps or something. Right. But you, it'd probably be more productive to grab like 60 pound dumbbells, start your Arnold presses out with that and do like a set of like six, maybe do a drop set with it. So you hit the 60 pound dumbbells then maybe hit the forties. And now you grab the 25s for your, your lateral raises, stuff like that was really, really important for me. And even now, so I have switched to what you're talking about. I have switched to doing full body stuff, but that's actually just been more recently. And even with the full body stuff, I'm finding more productivity out of doing uh, less reps. Like, so if I, and also you're breathing hard. Like, I'm just trying to get myself to breathe hard. I'm really trying to, you know, build up some conditioning. So an example, you know, for someone like yourself with like a 600 pound deadlift, maybe you got 405 on the bar for a deadlift and it's like deadlift 405 for, let's say three reps wouldn't be hard. Or even at your current strength, maybe you're not as, quite as strong right now. Take 315 and do a set of five with 315. Now go to do something else in between that. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm really loving because it's like I said earlier, you know, if you're not testing yourself, I don't know what you're doing. You, you need to be testing and challenging yourself. So you take that deadlift and let's pair it up with like one thing that's like fairly easy and one thing that's maybe kind of hard. Maybe one thing that would be hard would be um let's say like you 're swinging like a um, a uh, like a hammer like you 're you're swinging a hammer in between that well that 's going to get your your heart rate up uh, quite a bit, and then maybe another movement that you 're doing in there that might be a little simpler might be like uh, just a box jump or something but it 's like man, go through that circuit you know uh four times you know and and that 's going to be brutal. Deadlifting three hundred fifteen for five reps is a piece of cake for you, mm-hmm. but in the element of like doing that other stuff. You know and I'm really enjoying it a lot and what's really fun about it is it doesn't really have to make that much sense and what I mean by that is exactly it, it, like.
1: Go ahead. yeah
0: yeah it can be pretty chaotic it can be like you can be like okay like what could I do in between deadlifts That doesn't because deadlifts are brutal right what could I do in between deadlifts that just isn't that bad and you can say okay well if I did some sit-ups in between deadlifts it's kind of like opposite muscle group it's like my stomach rather than my back right And then, you know, maybe uh, curls are super easy. So I'm just going to do a standing barbell curl. You will be surprised. That'll still murder you. (laughs) That'll still murder you. That'll still hurt. It'll still be really, really tough. And so I'm really enjoying it a lot. I'm enjoying, you know, mixing, uh, you know, lunges in with uh, overhead presses mixed with like a farmer's carry. Like the amount of opportunity that there is to really go off the rails and just make something fun and different for yourself is is great and actually this morning it's funny because this is the way you know our images of ourselves are so skewed I was just like you know I'm pretty happy I'm like you know leaning out and I feel really good I'm like but I still need my arms to be bigger I'm like I'm gonna have an arm day I'm still gonna do everything all chaotic and all crazy like I'm doing now but I'm like I'm gonna specifically just have a bro arm day that I'm gonna keep in there to try to keep some thickness on these arms
1: Mm mm-hmm is that because you've got Ensema working next to you all the time, so you just got to keep up with that?
0: Man, yeah, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't help that he's like 20 years younger than me.
1: Yeah, that certainly doesn't help. Um, so you've worked with Kelly Starrett and I'll drop that I'm actually, uh, well, they closed the Mobility WAD and they switch it to the Ready State now. But I, I was a Mobility WAD ambassador. Um, oh,
0: awesome.
1: Yeah, it's just one of the uh, first ones that they reached out to. Um so you've worked with Kelly Sturette. you've also worked with the late Charles Paul Quinn. Have either of those or your bodybuilding or adjustment to diets unfucked your elbow at all? <laughs>
0: um No, no, it hasn't. Um my elbow still still hurts. So like the last time I went to the doctor, they uh these two doctors were kind of arguing back and forth about uh one was an actual surgeon and the other one was um Uh, the other one was like, I guess like my orthopedist or something like, I forget, I forget what it was, but, but anyway, these two doctors, they were arguing, um, and, uh, they, they, they didn't agree upon whether it would help or not. And so they were like, one guy's like, you have a, you know, pretty severe bone spur on your elbow. Like we think we can go in and clean that up. And then I said, Hey, you know what? Like, um, my other elbow, I was like, my other elbow doesn't hurt. I was like, but just out of curiosity, why don't we look at that one, too? And they were like, oh, we never thought of that. They're like, okay. So I looked at the other elbow and looked the same. So they were like, well, you know, obviously the on the, the elbow that hurts, it's just probably compressing on some nerve or something, and it's not doing that on the other side. And they're like, you got, you know, one option is to, like, get surgery. And they're like, we think it would be, like, 50-50. We're not really sure. You know what it would do and they're like we're also not sure you know when we we go in we don't know what we'd see you know so maybe we'd have to do some other type of surgery once we're there and um, they're like you can do that or you can just like lay off of like you know the amount of pressing that you do or the amount of weight that you handle and I was like you know what my whole entire body feels amazing everything feels really really good I'm like I just got this one little stupid pain in my elbow and my elbow seems like it's just not on board with me wanting wanting to bench 600 pounds, which was the goal at the time. And uh, I was like, I probably just unfortunately need to abandon that goal. I'm like, uh, my arm's just not holding up. And so I did. I, I, I went away. I got away from all that, you know, heavy, heavy lifting. And I transitioned into changing up my training quite a bit. And then out of nowhere, the elbow started to feel a lot better just because I gave it some rest. I gave it a break. It would still hurt here and there, but it was very, very minor. And the strength started to come back. I started moving around like four plates pretty easily. And then on a whim one day, I was like, oh, I'm just going to try five plates. I smoked it. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, I'm still, you know, things are still going pretty good. And so I was, you know, dabbling with like a comeback. But then I would get like nicked up here and there. And I was like, yeah, it's probably not smart. But I knew that I could still bench 500 pounds. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, you got to always be testing yourself. So I was like, I'm going to try a 500-pound bench at 220. And uh, I pursued that for a while. I dropped a bunch of weight. I weighed, weighed in at 220, and I competed. And I did a 479 bench, which uh, knocked one of our other athletes off of our record board that we have here at Super Training. So that was fun uh, to get my name up on the record board. But then when I tried 500, I came up short twice, uh, just wasn't able to transition into the lockout. Um, and then a few months later I was like, ah, you know what, maybe I should just give it one more try. I was like, I'm so close. Um, and as I was prepping for that contest, the elbow would kind of come and go. It wasn't a hundred percent in a lot of the training. And I was like, you know what, if I, if I weigh 220, then I'm probably just gonna, I'm probably gonna injure it worse. So I just stayed heavy. I stayed, uh, in a 242 weight class and was able to bang out that 500 pound bench. And that was like, it was probably just about a year ago. Um, and I, I you know, I feel good about everything I've done in power thing. I'm, I will mo- most likely not compete again. I, I uh, occasionally will have, uh, the ability to start to train and start to lean into some of these workouts and, um, and build up some good strength. And so I'll get an itch here and there to, uh, get back into it. But, um, I think I did did everything I needed to do. I think I got it all out of my system, so I think I'm good for now. But yeah, even after all the tricks and all the different things, I've had uh, stem cells uh, injected in there. I personally don't think stem cells really do anything, um, but I've had other people tell me they've had miraculous recovery. Charles Pulliquin himself has worked on it. Kelly Sturette has worked on it, and uh, nothing has really seemed to help it transition away from being in pain.
1: Mm-hmm. except charles got to give you some additional pain during that time from what i saw in the video i tried oh, the yeah. little uh finger technique thing and that's insane that's crazy so many little nerves in the finger i didn't expect oh. it to be that ridiculous man
0: yeah it was pretty it was pretty crazy i think you know if somebody like if i had someone working on it all the time that really knew what they were doing you know i think there's some potential there that the pain would get out of there but i don't you know i don't know what's wrong with it, it still hurts you know Pretty consistently, but it's not. I mean, it's scale of one to ten, it's like a four. But it's just annoying, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not fully debilitating, but at least you had the the mindset there to back off and of just hammering away at that six hundred pound bench. You know, who knows right. what could have happened? You know, you could have ended up fucking yourself up even more. You backed well, off. Yeah, and- I did.
0: Oh. Yeah, I did tear. I did tear tear a pec. You know, in the process. So I did a five seventy eight bench in competition, and um I wasn't a hundred percent going into that meet. And I went to bench six hundred and I tore my pec, but my pec was like, it was very, very minor. Yeah, my pec was messed up because my elbow wasn't able to transition through to, to press the weight out.
1: Mm. You still had a great strong sense of everything to be able to just make that adjustment. Really good. Right. I want to ask you about, uh, just actually one more question for you. And then, uh, cause I know we're, we've been on for a while. Do you have any meditation routines that you, you know, I, it can either be, you know, uh, sitting down cross-legged Lotus position, or it could be just, Walking around the world, do you have anything you do on a day-to-day basis, weekly, anything that brings you back into that, that state of resonance, brings you back into alignment with your consciousness, everything like that?
0: Yeah, you know, I think um, meditative practices can look pretty different for a lot of people. And I think for myself, um, I have two main forms of meditation. Um, one is in my car, um, and two is uh, when, I, when I walk. And it's not your traditional meditation. I'm not, you know, sitting on the floor with my legs crossed and stuff like that. Um, my eyes aren't closed, obviously, especially when I'm driving. But, you know, I, I try to listen to stuff that will elicit certain responses from me. Um, it may bring out creativity. Um, I listen to a lot. I'm really huge on, for myself, I'm, I'm big on personal development. You know, how, how can I be... How can I work on being a better person? Um, you know, again, back to what we were talking about earlier, like think about how powerful you can really be like in your community if you're just a really, really good person and you're fun to be around. Like the people at Starbucks, they get pumped when you come through. And, and like, yeah, I think everyone in their community kind of like knows that older guy who's like 60 or 70 the old guy who's got a different joke every day or the guy that smiles right like and you're and you just light up when you see them you're not even sure why maybe you even start laughing you're like oh shit here he comes like this is gonna be great he's gonna have something fun or funny to say so i think you know i I really like to work on personal development i like to think how can i be um how can i be the best person i can be and i also try to think of it on a reasonable scale too like not too much outwardness you know like i don't I don't want to be important to somebody in Michigan. I want to be important to my family. You know, I want to like I that's an old quote from Mother Teresa that I think is amazing is you know the, the the way to make the biggest impact on the world is to go home and love your family. And that is so true. You ever kind of wonder to yourself, you ever think like I wonder what this motivational speaker's like with his kids, you know? Does he like you sometimes you know some of these people or I'll even have some people on the podcast talk to them for two hours they don't mention their wife or kids at all and i'm like man like i don't get it like i don't understand to me i don't understand that um i I have like a problem with it like it frustrates me i'm like that that doesn't seem and i understand like sometimes people have uh personal things they don't want to they don't want to bring up but it's like how could you talk to someone for two hours about your life and not include the biggest part of you like it doesn't make any sense I'm sometimes disappointed by the, um, by the actions of some of the people that, are, you know, that we see on social media. I'm like, man, why don't they include, you don't have to have pictures of your family because I understand that can be weird, but not mentioning them at all, at least here and there, is very odd to me, but I'm always trying to think of you know, how can I improve myself as a person, so I listen to a lot of personal development type stuff, a huge fan of Jim Rohn, uh, R-O-H-N, he's a famous speaker. Um, I can't get enough of him. I, I've been listening to him for like the last six, seven years. He uh, passed on probably maybe 10 years ago. There's another guy I like to listen to a lot is Art Williams. Art Williams is a, is a former football coach, and man, that guy has a lot of fire. Uh, he's got a lot of fire in his uh, speeches. But Art Williams actually, uh, in 1984, he did a speech about he's basically encouraging people just to do stuff. And he says, just do it. And he says, just do it over and over and over again. And then the next year is when Nike started their campaign for just do it. So you kind of have fun with that one and figure out what happened there. Nike claims they don't know anything about it.
1: Right, right.
0: But I'm big on like, you know, personal development and how can I, how can I be better each day? And then when I think about those things, it's going to be really important. Recovery is going to be a big part of it. And so having some meditative practices is important to me. So the car, I'll try to listen to some personal development type stuff. I don't really listen to podcasts. I don't read any books, um, but I do listen to you know stuff to try to get experiences from. Uh, a big thing in my life has been you know to rub elbows with people that are just executing on a high level and people that I love and appreciate. Um, and and by a high level, I don't always mean like we have uh, Bedros Skolian coming in. Uh, this week who has you know executed in business uh, to the absolute highest degree but I just also mean like people that just execute in their life that I admire where I'm like that guy loves people the way I'd love to love people like that guy appreciates people the way I'd love to appreciate people and um, sometimes that's just my dad sometimes that's my brother Chris Um, sometimes that's my best friend Jesse Burdick these might not be names that you are thinking of like uh you know being like as successful as um some of the people you see on social media but they're people that really mean a lot to me and they're people that really move the needle um it's really rare for me to like sit down and kind of close my eyes and be by myself um but if i do something like that it might be like in my hot tub um i have tried flat out just meditating and um these These are areas I think it's important to show people um, and to tell people that you failed like i I just failed at it I tried it for a while and I just wasn't good at it, but I also didn't practice it enough to be good at it so why would I expect myself to be good at something I'm not working on and I'm glad you bring it up because maybe it'll be something that I try to uh do again but i also I walk a ton like I walk miles and miles every single day and I feel like the walking is meditative and I feel like I mean, there's times where I'll walk, I'll have my headphones on, but there's nothing even playing. I'm actually just like listening to my own heartbeat and kind of listening to my own breath and I'm just walking and I'm just thinking. And so I got some of my own forms of it, but I do think uh, to your point, I think uh, just sitting still and like not doing shit, I think would be really good for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially if you, if you've experimented with it before, I'm sure you tried, I mean, you're so great at achieving everything else you set your mind to i'm sure you wouldn't have any issue whatsoever and what you just described with the putting headphones in and listening to your heartbeat that is probably one of the most powerful forms of of a walking meditation you can do yeah. because you're completely grounding yourself you're you're firing all these neurons in your brain you're 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 just you're getting a lot of benefits from biochemicals that are ready, readily available in the body and in addition to that you can get into a state of mindfulness and relaxation and, and you can get new insights and all sorts of really crazy stuff and then come back do you take notes or anything when you come back if you've had some really good thoughts
0: um sometimes i'll like talk to my phone you know things like that you know i'll just make a voice note um i have a i have a journal you know i write stuff in a journal um quite a bit i, I do a lot of like um i mean one day I'll, I'll reveal to the world my my uh my scribbling but like i i just have some weird ways of doing stuff i, I I think that we, I think that we learn uh, really well um, when we're children, and I think the way like a kid learns, or like if you were to look at a kid's notebook, and he's in math class, there's going to be like an upside down like silly face or something. There's going to be like a star and like the sun and like me like weird shit on there, right? And you're like, why isn't like why isn't your math work on here? Like, what's what's all this doodling? That's what my notebook looks like. And I, I think that that's an important, it feels like it's an important practice for me. I don't know how well it would work for other people, but um, I, I do a lot of that. And I'll take my notepad and I'll like turn it sideways and I'll write something in like giant letters and, I, and I'll, I'll hold it up and I'll look at it. And I'll be like, what does that mean to me? Like that that seems more powerful than the other stuff I was writing. you know. And maybe I am listening to a speech or maybe I am listening to some form of like personal development type thing. And I'll kind of sit there and try to make sense of it and and say, like, I know I can go back. The key key to a journal, here's the, the whole key, is you need to go back and read the damn thing. That's the most important thing of having a journal. Writing stuff down doesn't really do shit for you. Going back and looking at it and absorbing it again is going to be the most important thing because then you'll probably take action on it. And I have so many friends and so many people are always telling me about all these books that they read. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know if you're doing anything with that knowledge because I'm not seeing you take any action towards these great books that you're talking about. So um, I think, you know, having items be actionable is really a key factor. Having a journal is a great way to do it. But going back in that journal, you know, having days specifically or having some time set up specifically that's devoted to just that. You know what? I'm going to go back and look at that journal that I had from two years ago and check that out. That kind of stuff.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And maybe when you write something in big letters, like this is like your unfiltered truth coming through. Right. And you're just so drawn to it. It's captivating you. And you're like, why you might not know in that moment, but if you come back to it in a week, two weeks, you might have some new insights. Maybe you might not even know then. you constantly revisit it. and It'll constantly reteach you. Right. I think that's, that's really powerful. Um, I want to ask you if you had any psychedelic experiences. I've asked a lot of people on this, uh, on the show, but I, I did want to touch on that before we hop off.
0: Um, I, you know, I, I'm a a proponent of Kratom. You know, we have, we have a product called uh mind bullet. I don't know if it falls into the psychedelic category, but it does make you feel good. It does put you in a good mood. Have you ever experienced Kratom before?
1: I haven't had that. No, I've heard about it, but, uh,
0: it's fantastic. I think you would dig it. I'll, we'll uh we'll send you some and you can you can kind of judge for yourself yeah, um i've had um i've also had some uh psil- psilocybin mushrooms before mm-hmm. um and you know i think it, it's interesting how there's like a there's a technique and a like a style and a, and a way to do everything you know there's a certain way to like work out there's a certain way to do your cardio there's a certain way to do everything and i think you know as far as mushrooms are concerned um like I took them at weird times that probably probably wasn't the greatest time like I took them on a flight oh, and shit. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know i was uh, I was doing great, but like somebody like woke me up from my sleep, I think the stewardess or something, and then I was kind of like flipping out, my heart was racing kind of because I just i don't know I was I was having a, a a good psychedelic moment I would say mm-hmm. um <laughs> and then it kind of got interrupted, so it was kind of weird so. I think if I ever try them again, I'll I'll probably need to, uh, you know, be by myself and, you know, try to absorb it. And just like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, being open-minded and being like, I know it all sounds so weird, but just being like open to receiving stuff, you know, how many people have told you before that they've, that they've read a book or saw a movie and they're like, man, I never even noticed this other part in there. You know, I, it's almost like it was like edited out of their head. But the movie didn't change and the book didn't change, but they changed as a person. And so their perspective, their view on things has changed a lot. And so I think that, you know, opening your mind and being welcoming and res- being open to receiving new stuff and uh, believing in yourself that you deserve stuff. Like you deserve, You, I think people are a lot stronger than they give themselves credit for. Um, I know many um, I know many parents uh, that are overweight and they're like, man, I'm just not strong enough to do that. I'm not strong enough to lose weight. And it's like, man, you are. Are you kidding me? Like, you are such an awesome parent and you are such a hard worker and you're always on time to your your work. Um, You're always super kind to people like you're a savage, dude. Like, what are you talking about? You don't think you can make some little changes to your diet? You don't think you can start walking a couple times uh, a day um, for ten minutes at a pop? I, I like, yeah, that would be super simple for you to implement, right? And so I think a lot of people need to, you know, kind of hold on to some of that and really be uh, o- open and uh, be willing to receive the fact that they they are deserving of these things. Um, they just need to be implemented and worked for.
1: Mm, what you said there reminds me of a book, it's uh, by Arnold Patton, and the title is You Can Have It All. And mm-hmm. it's one of the cheesiest titles you can think of, but it's true. It's like absolutely true. It's if you set your mind to it, you take those actionable, uh, or you take the action, you take the steps necessary, you, you can literally achieve it. So uh, I'm really glad that I assume that you're a great support system for everyone around you that feels that they can't achieve, that they could just come to you and you can just give them a few meaningful words of advice. And, and I'm sure that sets them in a great direction. So I uh, actually don't have any other questions for you. I think we've been on for a while, but did you have any closing thoughts before we hop off?
0: Uh, thank you so much for the interview. I really appreciate it. And it's always good to meet new people. I hope we uh, cross paths in real life at some point. Um, but yeah, it was great to be on your show. And just to give a little plug, I wrote a book called Jacked and Tan, and you just mentioned having it all. And that's what the book talks about. It talks about um, you know your ability to not only be able to lift heavy weights, but to look like you lift heavy weights, you know, we used to all tease each other, you know, in powerlifting and we'd say, look, man, uh, you know, it's great that you have a, you know, 600 pound deadlift, but you got like a 45 inch waist, you know, like I <laughs> ain't, I ain't doing you any favors, you know, like, let's, let's look like beast and let's, uh, also be able to lift like beast. And so I take you through, you know, a lot of the secrets, a lot of the things I've learned in powerlifting, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, mentioned some of my numbers, 1,080 squat, 854 bench, 766-pound deadlift. And uh, a lot of stuff that I have never shared before with people is in the book. I even talk about uh, mobility and stuff from people like Kelly Sturette. Kelly Sturette actually part of the book. Um, he wrote a chapter in there. And uh, I just think it's, it provides a lot of value for people. It's going to give you uh, ideas and insight into diet, I take you through my entire bodybuilding show. There's a lot of progress pictures in there. And I think a lot of people would be interested in the book. So go check it out. That's where we sell everything uh, at MarkBellSlingshot.com. If you're interested in Mind Bullet and Kratom and learning more about that, you can go over to MindBullet.com. And I'm at Mark Smellybell on Instagram. So thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And hopefully you'll be able to come out here to Super Training Gym.
1: Yeah, I'd love to, to pay a visit, and I'll include all those links to everything you described in the description for anyone who's listening. And thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate it. meet cool. see you again soon in person. Take care. Thank
0: thanks. you so much. Catch you later.